When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They live in the sewer. Yes, they do. (laughs) Football! Hey, can I hit that quarterback in the face? I want to do it. Football. Football! Football, yeah! Yeah. Football! Football! Yes, sir! (laughs) Tonight. Got a game tonight. Trumpets, timpanies, and football. Mm -hmm. Yes. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, I would expect. Yes. Or perhaps it'll be Tariko instead. I've told you guys before, probably not Murph and Max, but this song is constantly in my head. Like, every day of my life. I can, I'll, I'll be walking to the bathroom and it'll just be like, bum, bum, ba-da-dum, bum. It's not a bad song to have One man about to go to the bathroom. Him against the bathroom. Unload those chicken wings. Phil Mackey needs 15 minutes. Something like that. Unless you got a sports page, in which case it might be 25 minutes. All right. We had such a great time doing our NFL predictions early in the week. Let's come back with some more. I have three that I'm really confident about, or like fairly confident about, and then... uh, I don't know, maybe another one or two here. How many do you have? Do you have five more? Oh, yeah, I have five. Okay. Yep. So NFL predictions, I'll start with these three. You give us five, and I might have a couple more on the tail end for you here. All right? Mm Mm-hmm. Prediction number one, Mm -hmm. or actually prediction number six, going back to earlier in the week, NFL 2018 season. The Minnesota Vikings will start the year under 500 through the first month and a half. Whoa! They're going to start two and three. But they'll still win double-digit games and make the playoffs. But the more I look at this schedule, my God, San Francisco to start with. So you got this this team that won six in a row to end the year. Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a home game. Win. (laughs) (laughs) At Green Bay. Home against Buffalo. Win. Should be a win. That's a win. But then you get a short week traveling all the way to Los Angeles to play the yeah, Rams on tough. Thursday okay. night. It is tough. And then at the Eagles. Although, although you know what? What If you're a Viking fan, you have to root for. Aaron Donald contract holdout lingers into the season. I doubt it, if it will. But I do too. Yeah. But, if he's not, but, but if he's not playing by that point, yeah. your odds go up a lot. So I think two and three to start the year, and then they're still going to bounce back to to win double digit games, go like eight and three the rest of the year or whatever, and make the playoffs. All right, prediction number two. Yes, Andrew Luck will stay healthy and reestablish himself as one of the five or so best quarterbacks in the NFL, mm-hmm. and because of that, the Colts will finish at least five hundred. 
All right. They might even have a chance in that division. I mean, there's no there's no team in that division hey. that makes you scream, oh, yeah. 100%. If he's healthy, he's a hell of a quarterback. So Andrew Luck will stay healthy and reestablish himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And prediction number three, Case Keenum will throw at least 15 interceptions this year if they give him a, if they give him a full year. Case Keenum will feel frisky and will feel loosey-goosey about you know the season he had last year, the money that he just put in his bank account, but it's going to be a little bit different in Denver. It's not going to be... I know they've got some pretty good weapons there, but Demarius, uh, Demarius Thomas, but it ain't Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs for, for my money. He's going to get a little too frisky and throw... 15 or more interceptions, which will put him among the league leader. He'll throw a bunch of touchdowns, How many touchdowns, touchdowns too. will I throw? Over 20. Okay. If he plays a full year, it'll be like, you know, 25 touchdowns and 15 picks or something like that. All right. So those are my three that I'm very sure about. You can give us some, and then I might come back with some more. All right. I'll give you my first three. My first one goes off the board a little bit because it's a league-wide prediction. It's not a team or player or coach prediction. Okay. The first major controversy involving the National Football League in 2018 will not be the national anthem. It's going to be the new targeting rule in which a player will be penalized 15 yards and potentially fined or ejected for lowering his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. I saw a report a couple days ago. I believe the officials have started their tours of, of, uh, of uh, training camps. And I think it was the Eagles who asked a bunch of questions and basically got, well, well we're not really quite sure how we're going to call this. We think we're going to call it a certain way. It's we're not confusing. sure. It's, it's so it, stupid. It's, it's confusing. It's not really, I don't think it's, it's necessarily super well thought out. And most importantly, I don't think it's been articulated really well to the officials. No. All of which is going to lead for... For a week one, in which we get two or three guys ejected, and teams are going to go absolutely ballistic, and by week three or four, they're going to have to come back and say, no, the rule is meant to be this. It's going to be a mess. The national anthem will be forgotten because you're going to have players from your team. Harrison Smith is a prime example, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if he throws the wrong type of hit, he's ejected. Well, but like, you could, can't you? You can flag offensive players for this too, right? I think so. Yes, but I'm. But that's my point: is it's confusing. It's going to cause. Some probably very high-profile players to be ejected. It's going to be a mess for at least the first month, if not first two months. Yeah, agreed. So that's prediction num- number one, is we're going to have problems there. Prediction number two, the first in-season firing, and we don't have a ton of these, of a National Football League head coach will be none other than Dirk Cotter in Tampa Bay. Dirk's going to yeah. get him. Jameis Winston's out for what? The first two four, two to four games? or, or He's suspended three. to start the season. First three, three games. games. So he's suspended for the first three games. The Tampa Bay Bucks are, I think they're, it, it's a weird team. I'm not ever sure that I, I thought that Dirk should get the job there. He's going to be a very easy guy to fire. So I think that he is going to be an in-season firing, and I wouldn't even be surprised if it's within the first uh, half of the season. Yeah, that's that's just a, the fact that they put all their chips on Jameis Winston, basically, it yeah. was risky from the get-go. And keeps, and yeah. I know that the incident in question is from two years ago, and he's saying that it's different now. And But I don't know, man. I, if, if you're telling me I can either have him for the next five to ten years or I can hit the reset button, like I'm probably going to hit the reset button. So, All right. Prediction number three. The National Football League trade deadline is on October 30th. Why do I bring that up? Because the New York Jets have something that a lot of teams are going to possibly want, especially if you have a quarterback, starting quarterback who gets hurt and you mm. don't like your backup. Teddy Bridgewater will be traded in season by the Jets. Interesting. Because Darnold's probably going to start fairly quickly. They've got they've got a veteran backup there, so they've got three quarterbacks. 
And Bridgewater, if you take him to market and, and a team that especially expects to contend loses its starter early in the season and yeah. has to trade for one, you might be able to get a potentially fairly high draft pick. Teddy Bridgewater gets traded by the October 30th deadline. Interesting. There's there's a bunch of teams that, I mean, hell, Tampa Bay is a team that you could see if they, Absolutely. I don't know if they would trade for him in season, but maybe after the year in free agency or something. He's going to, if he's healthy, he will eventually start again, and it's probably not going to be for the Jets. So the Jets could very well leverage that to get, let's say, a second or third round pick. Yeah. Uh, all right. Here's one for me. I don't know how to quantify this. I think Dak Prescott is going to have a big season. I think, I think Dak Prescott, so I'll, I'll say, uh, do we know like top five MVP voting? Do we is, is that revealed ever? Who like the top five vote getters are? I think it is. Yeah, because I think I think, I think it is. I'm not Dak positive. Prescott. Yep, is gonna bounce back after a bit of a sophomore slumpish season, and he's gonna put up four thousand plus yards passing mm-hmm. and have at least twenty five touchdown passes. Okay, so I think um, I think he bounces back. I could see maybe that. even gets maybe even get some MVP votes. No Des might actually help him. Yeah. All right. Give us your last two. Okay, we'll get four, to Collar. Four and five are actually tied together predictions about the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle in 2018 will go seven and nine, their first losing season since 2011. And that leads to prediction wow. five. Pete Carroll will resign after the season. He's going to turn uh, 67 on September 15th. And I think with the direction that that, that club, which has had a long run of successes, trending in that Pete Carroll will be out as head coach of a sub-500 Seattle Seahawks wow. team after the season. Where will his next move? Will he go back to college? I don't know. He kind of left USC will, in shambles a little bit he there. Will sanctions, end up, right? He will end up completing his football career, analyzing the sport in the booth. He'd be great, too. He'd be very good. Can you imagine him on he's like pers- Monday Night Football? He's personable. He'd be perfect. He will be paid millions of dollars to analyze the sport and not have to worry about wins and losses. I like that idea. Yeah. Matthew Collar will join us next. A little training camp update from him. And we'll hear from Thad Levine later on this hour. Let's talk about the car dealership and service department that my family and I have been going to for 30-plus years. I remember uh, the first time I took a car in for an oil change. I was 16 years old. It was a 1992 Camry. It was in the year 2001. And a lot of the same people who I worked with a decade and a half, almost two decades ago, are still there today. They've got an amazing staff. About six years ago, they upgraded facilities just a mile or two down the street on Brooklyn Boulevard. It's on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. And, uh, and and the sports equivalent would be you got the personnel right, you got the front office right, you got uh, you got your systems down, everything. Your product is great. You just need that new stadium. You know, You just need that target field. You just need that whatever it may be. And that's what you get with Luther Brookdale Toyota. Now the Luther lounge, it's comfort, it's peace of mind, and it's worth your time to explore this experience. Luther Brookdale, Toyota.com. And again, six, nine, Matthew collar, 1500 ESPN.com. He covers the Vikings. You can hear him on the purple podcast. Uh, is it true that Mike Remmers is no longer wearing a walking boot, at least? We don't have to panic to the level we were two days ago? Uh, I mean, I still think you can panic if you want to, uh, but no, he is not wearing a walking boot. And uh, my Purple Podcast co-host, Courtney Cronin, reported that he's not expected to be out long, so this isn't that serious. But, I mean, it should be a little bit of a jolt to the system, just what this offensive line could look like if you lose one person, because 
it's not going to be good. You would either have to throw Tom Compton in there, who's basically a career backup, or Danny Isadora, who's never really played before. He's a fifth-round pick that played 147 snaps last year. And, or, you know, I guess you could try to shuffle things around a little bit and maybe Colby Gossett, the sixth-round pick, would step up to the plate. But, I mean, if you lose that uh, right guard position, you are in really tough shape. Are they done there, uh, Color, or is there a, uh, or is there a pretty good potential that they're going to go out at least when uh, the cuts are made and start to examine their options for, for uh, potential backup depth, is, if nothing else, on the right side of that offensive line? They, they definitely could, but I don't really expect it. I think Tom Compton is that guy. Uh, I think he's the backup who has had to start at different times when he was in Washington or a little bit here and there with uh, the Atlanta Falcons. So throughout his career, he's been the type of player that's uh, a backup guard and is just depth. And if you throw him in there, you feel like you could probably just get replacement level play and hope to survive that. But I mean, if they were to lose, Remmers or Rashad Hill for any significant period of time, you're talking about either having to go to, you know, Compton for the whole season or Isadora for the whole season or, uh, you know, whatever number of different combinations or if Rashad Hill, who's missed some early time here in practice, if he gets hurt, then you're asking the second round pick Brian O'Neill to be thrown to the Wolves. And I don't think that he's anywhere really close to ready to be able to do that. And it just kind of shows you what the offensive line could look like. Um, if a few things go wrong, and, you know, Pat Elfline, too, is not out there yet. He had off-season sh- surgery on his shoulder and his ankle, and you've got to think it's going to take him some extra time to get going. You remember last year with Latavius Murray where it wasn't until week four or five until Murray really had his burst back uh, after going through that off-season surgery, and you wonder uh, if Elfline will even be ready to go or up to 100% by week one. Don't worry, if, if Compton has to play a significant time, him and Kirk Cousins have a great rapport. Tom Compton and I used to be big into moon phases, like waning gibbuses. And, really? Yep. And then we got big into uh, periods of time, like uh, a fortnight is two weeks. A coon's age is three to seven years. Um, a megasecond is like 11 seconds or something, or like 11 days. See, the, the more you know, Collar, the more you know. Yeah, but don't worry, though, because Cousin said that he had nothing to do with Tom Compton being here. So, <laughs> yeah, sure, I'm sure that was true. Hey, uh, you, you mentioned O'Neal. Has he gained any weight in the last month or two? Like, is he, is he still rail thin like a tight end, or what's his weight status? I mean... It's hard to say. I didn't, uh, like, put my hands on him to see if he's a little more Come on. or anything. Investigative reporting. Let's go. No. Come on, Brad Childress. Lay hands on him. <laughs> You're right. Our guys downstairs, the investigative reporters, they would have done that for the TV side. But, you know, I just, I didn't. He, you know, I mean, I guess so. I guess he looks a little bit thicker. But, you know, John Filippo was talking about it yesterday, and he was talking about, and this is going to get really football for you guys, so you'll love this. Football. He was talking about the anchor for Brian O'Neill to be able to put down the anchor. And all that means is just that when a giant guy across from you is bull rushing you, you got to be able to withstand that. And from what I saw on tape of him at Pitt, he was not very effective when trying to withstand bull rushes. He's a really great athlete, and they could probably work around some of his shortcomings if they had to you know, throw him in, if Rashad Hill didn't play well here in the preseason or – 
or, or got hurt or something like that. He's a good enough athlete where he could probably mix in. And the fact that he switched positions before, he, he's probably pretty adaptable. But he does not look like somebody that's going to be able to sustain at this point playing against NFL defensive ends who go at about 270 pounds and have ridiculous strength and, and all those things. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think right now they want him to be on the sidelines, but, you know, Rashad Hill has been ill, and I think that O'Neal has done a pretty good job when he's been out there uh, filling in so far. It's just that that's not the ideal situation. You want him to get a lot more time and put on more weight and muscle before he can get out there and start. Football! Football, yeah! That was a fantastic breakdown. Yes. I'm so into football right now. Yes. All right. I've got a, I've got a concern for you. I've got a, okay. I've got cause for concern. Oh boy. Outside of the offensive line, too. So Matthew Collar, tell me this. <laughs> Courtney Cronin today uh, tweeted a picture of practice, which was being held in the new stadium at the TCO Performance Center. Now, within that, that practice was being held on field turf, correct? Yes, it was. Okay, now I tweeted Courtney. I said, I'm very concerned here because the first full practice or, or the night practice on Saturday is going to be held in that stadium. And you know one thing that Judd Zolgad absolutely hates is new field turf, right? So she tweeted back, no, it's actually old Metrodome turf. Can you allay my fears here and tell me that that indeed is old turf? Because we all know that when you put in new field turf with those pellets, guys tend to slip and fall and we get torn ACLs. I'm just really impressed with the fact that she did the digging to find out where the turf had come from. Uh, that, that's that's good on her, but uh, I don't know what to tell you on this, Judd. I'm I mean, worried. I, I mean, they play on turf, and sometimes guys have ACL injuries no matter what you're playing on. Turf is probably less safe than the grass, but then again, Teddy's knee melted down on grass. So I don't know. I mean, injuries for a night practice like that, when you've got the fans there and everybody's kind of dialing it up, you always worry about that. And I think last year there was an injury. It just didn't turn out to be serious. So it's always going to be a concern no matter what. But I don't know what to tell you. Do you want me to say, Judd, yes, we should all be terrified that someone will die on this turf on Saturday. <laughs> That's I'm, I'm not afraid of death. I love I'm afraid like, of torn ACLs and ligaments popping. I love how there's like there's no real answer to the question other than like Judd just venting his concern and frustration that something bad might happen, which I feel like is every waking second I of feel your like consciousness. It's a necessary, I feel like it's a necessary <laughs> thing to vent on, okay? I'm just glad that Courtney found out that it's, it's old Metrodome turf. I just can't imagine being in your head, Judd, with the ways that you find to be concerned. I never would have thought about that, but that's why we have you, and that's why we're lucky to, to have you. Well, thank you. there's always you. new ways that we should be concerned about Minnesota sports. It is, it's, yes, it's a never-ending never uh, buffet of things to be concerned about. Uh, what, what, what have you observed so far in the training camp portion of offseason here? Kirk, we watched a little video of Kirk Cousins. Uh, he was mic'd up earlier this week, and so Vikings.com had some stuff, and and he was. And he, they showed some interaction with him and receivers, and he's a obviously trying to be the leader, which is good. Uh, B, he's a little socially awkward and nerdy and goofy, which is fine. I mean, you can do that and still be awesome. Andrew Luck is goofy and nerdy, and there's other nerdy guys. Tom Brady's kind of nerdy. Um, uh, C. I think he has made some comments on these videos about things evolving uh, even since spring practice and OTAs and minicamps, and he likes the way that things are progressing. What have you personally heard and observed about Kirk Cousins and his relationship integrating in here? 
Well, I think that this is kind of the perfect situation to have him become the leader because even if things aren't going perfectly in, in training camp and practice, there's really no downside, right? I mean, the, the issues that I think will pop up or could pop up is when Cousins has to take responsibility for things that go wrong in actual games. And as we go through some of the adversity of a season, that's where we're going to find out a lot about him. Because right now, I mean, everybody's great. You know, you ask Mike Zimmer about the 90th guy on the roster, and it's just like, oh, yeah, no, he looks awesome out there. He's great on special teams. And it's, just, it's, it's, it's always across the board that type of situation. I mean, he looks like he's operating the offense in control. And, you know, there was a bad snap the other day, and he was on the center, Nick Easton, for that bad snap. And, you know, you see him connecting with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen on deep passes on a daily basis. And if there's something to get excited about, as a Viking fan, it's a guy who can actually wing the ball that far down the field accurately because Kirk Cousins could definitely do that. It's just I don't know what to make of his personality at this point. It's been fascinating to me that in press conferences he's taken jabs at his former team like the other day uh, when he was talking about uh, guys on a former team of his that he won't name as if we couldn't figure that out who ha- would have guys falling asleep in meetings and things like that. So. He's kind of layered in some little jabs, and that's been interesting to me. But as far as how he gets along with the team, everybody knows who is making $84 million and who the franchise totally bought into, and they seem to be following that. Ravens-Bears, Hall of Fame game tonight. How much are you going to watch? I think I'm in for at least a quarter, if not a half. Let me ask you something, Judd. How much do you think I will watch? I think you're going to watch the whole thing, but I'm not positive of that. I plan on watching quite a bit of it. I definitely want to see Lamar Jackson in any way, shape, or form because I was all in on Lamar Jackson through the draft process, and I will always wonder if the Vikings had decided to keep Case Keenum and draft Lamar Jackson, what that would have looked like here. Uh, but, yes, the answer to your question is I will be watching pretty much that whole game just the same way that I do with preseason is the same approach to bowl games. And you love that I watch all these bowl games, but, but but craziness and madness will happen, and it can be wonderful, Jack. Hey, before we part ways and say goodbye here, Matthew, any meaningful Mr. Mankato updates this week? You know, not really. I, mean, I heard the kicker until... missed a chip shot the other day, Judd said. Yeah, Carlson he when did. I was there. Yes, he did. And, and none of us picked him. So that's a, you know I would not say right now that he's ahead of uh, Kai Forbath. I think that Forbath is probably ahead right now in part because of the chip shot miss. Uh, but Holton Hill has been getting a lot of rave reviews from other players, from coaches. And the other day I saw Xavier Rhodes and Terrence Newman both out there working with Holton Hill 20, 30 minutes after practice. So that kind of tells you something about where he stands. And Brandon Zilstra, another favorite, has been working in with the first team, which tells you that he's got a really good Mr. Mankato chance. But we won't start to have it take full shape until we get out there in the actual preseason games because that's when all the fans can see it and we can start getting some real buzz. Yeah. He is Matthew Collar. He enjoys a good game of football, and you can find him on 1500ESPN.com, the Purple Podcast, and also Saturday Morning Sports Talk with Judd. Except this weekend, it's the, uh, the, golf the 3M. Guys so we're going to have golf stuff yep. because we're going to be at the 3M, but uh, most Saturdays. From Enjoy the Hall of Fame game tonight, Collar. I know you will. Thanks, guys. Thank right. you. Bye, Matthew. Yeah, what time does that start? Seven, probably? Somewhere in there? Uh, I may or may not watch it, depending on what I'm doing at 7 o'clock. It's... 
Starts at 7. Now, the good thing is, on ESPN2 at 6, little CFL, Ottawa-Toronto. Okay, I'm Catch in for the Johnny Manziel game tomorrow night. That's if, tomorrow night, yeah. Yep. The Alouettes, correct? Yep, the Montreal right. Alouettes. Yep. Better than Twins and Royals? Oh, you know. <laughs> Twins and Royals. I'm going to miss that entire series. I'm thankful. <laughs> All right. Thad Levine, if you missed it yesterday, he joined us. It was uh, lengthy, and he was as open and honest as a GM is, is probably going to be after the team just gets done with a fire sale. And we'll play that back for you when we come back, Mackie and Judd. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You got two incompetent buffoons mixed up there. That's really did. Yes. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. 3M Championship is happening this week at TPC Twin Cities. Come out for this free Champions Tour event and watch the legends of golf. Plus, catch 1500 ESPN broadcasting from the Expo Tent Friday through Sunday. More, de- more details are at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. This portion of Mackey and Judd is presented by Fred Loney's Ace Hardware and Garden Store. Phil, how's uh, how's Tiger doing? A little easy par clean up there. Uh, he he teed off on the back nine, so that was that was six uh, the sixth hole. But his what was it, his fifteenth hole on the day? Something like that. Max knows for sure. He's yes, four under, yes. and he's and he's just a couple shots off the lead here. Three shots. Max off. is cheering uh, consistently, so he must be doing well. If he gets off to a good start like this, it's in the bag. Yeah, he, he'll he's, be winning on Sunday. He's never been in the lead this year, so it'd be nice to sleep on a lead one time. You mean he's never been in the lead after a round? Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, because yeah, he was in the lead. We all know that on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. At goosebumps. So yesterday we had Thad Levine on Twins GM to to talk about all things fire sale, the future of the Twins. He was. Pretty open and honest, and mm-hmm. this is our conversation with him. Thad, thanks for joining the show. We've we've fielded some angry Twins fan questions and some and some level-headed, reasonable uh, fan questions. Have you gotten angry emails? What's what's your status today? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, and I say let's let's focus on the level-headed folks. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, you know, we we both Derek and I have received some uh, communications from from some very passionate Twins fans and. We totally respect their perspective. I know that the last four or five days have been challenging for our diehard fans as they see us invest a little bit more in the future than in the now and part ways with some players who have had huge impacts on this franchise. So we totally understand that position. We totally respect it. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, our roles are not those of popularity contest winners, but more of making decisions that we hope are the right decisions for the future of the franchise and, uh, that's that's we're hopeful we accomplish that this trading deadline. Yeah, I think part of it is you. Know, you guys came in what less than two years ago, and you inherited like any new front office uh, duo would. You inherited a lot of fan baggage. One playoff appearance in the last eight years. No playoff series wins in sixteen years now. Two thousand two, and so and and you know, and you weren't around for that, and that's not your fault. But it's but if you're a fan and you've been around for a couple decades and you've watched this, and now Dozier and Escobar are traded. So what what do you say in depth to fans who say, well, the Twins have obviously the Twins have no interest in retaining good players, and uh, it's always prospects, prospects, prospects. And look at the last two prospects that the organization touted, Buxton and Sano, and they're in the minor leagues all year. What is your response to that Twins fan? Well, you know, first of all, I think they're totally entitled to ask that question. I mean, we, we need to be accountable to that, even though Derek and I have only been here for two seasons. And I think the minute we lose the pulse of the fan base, and that's the history they're in, 
I think we're, we're losing sight of the Java we have at hand. So I, I would just look at it and say, I know this isn't what you want to hear, but the goal that we have is to always to invest in the now, which is the 2018 version of the Minnesota Twins, or to invest in the future. I would be most concerned as a fan if we were doing neither. Because I think when you do neither, you're getting passed by. And you may not realize it in the real time, but you are. And so we made a tough decision. Now, in the case of the, the players that we traded, by and large, they're guys who are slated to be free agents this, this offseason. Ryan Presley was the only player who we would control past this year. And so when we realized that the 2018 season wasn't going quite to plan, and you had referenced the performances of Byron Buxton and Miguel Snow, which were certainly unforeseen, as was the injury to Irvin Santana that that really sidelined him for the first 100 games and the unfortunate situation with Jorge Polanco, who we lost for the first 80, we, we felt as if we needed to capitalize on the amount of interest the industry had in our existing players, specifically the ones on expiring deals. And the reality is, with the trades we made, it doesn't preclude us from visiting with those players' agents this offseason and potentially trying to recruit them to come back. But we just felt at this point in the, the season – we, we needed to commit to our fan base that we were going to either invest in the now or the future, and we chose the future. But we still feel as if we retained the entire core of this team, a team that we believed in going into 2018 right alongside our fans, uh, so we can still continue to build off that for 2019 and beyond. So, Thad, you, you guys, uh, the year before you got here in 16, lost 103 games. Let's talk about expectations. Uh, because, you know, in 2017, if you had won 75 games or so, I think fans would have said, hey, that, that's a, a nice improvement. Uh, but there wouldn't have been the expectations. So as fun as last year was, how much of a conundrum does that become when you go from 103 losses to a playoff game to now you, you might be, despite the expectations of folks like, like Phil and myself, you might be exactly where you do belong. Uh, but now people are are mad and clamoring for the success that you had a year ago, which might have come too quickly. Well, I, I think there's 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 some intelligence in that commentary. I I, I think that would, wow. That hold on, that would be wow. That, if that's the if that's the that's case, a promo. That's that, a promo right there, Thad. You just made our promos. If that's the case. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I think I think when you go from 103 losses, you don't obviously expect to go to the playoffs the next year. That's why it was such a big story. But I will say this. I, I don't believe that in baseball you go from winning 65 games to 75 games to 85 games to 95 games and then make the playoffs. I think we just see it all over the game, you know, the, the jumps that Atlanta and, and Philadelphia are taking this year, the, the jump that Seattle's taking and Oakland are taking in, in the American League West. I don't think you have to take a five- to six-year stepping stone approach and uh, because we're taking a step back this year speaks to a, a plummeting effect that's going to take place over the next two to three years. I, I do think we can bounce back. I think what we experienced as a fan base last year, based upon the team we put together, was one of the better case scenarios. I think what we're experiencing this year is one of the worst case scenarios. Uh, trust, trust me when I say this, that we didn't contemplate as a possible outcome for the season that we were going to option Byron Buxton and Miguel Sano and that we're going to be without our starting shortstop for the first half of the season and our number one starter for more than that. Those weren't things that were contemplated, even our wildest dreams of possible outcomes for the season. So I do think we're closer than people think relative to our ability to bounce back and really propel forward. And I don't think this is going to be a situation where we're forever trading 
existing major league players for minor league players. Trust me, we, we, we want to be on the buying end of this, and we want to be on the buying end very soon. Yeah. Uh, Thad Levine, Twins GM with us here, Mackie and Judd. Is, just to put a, a bow on the Escobar-Dozier part of the conversation, they are free agents. Uh, they've, they've both enjoyed their time in Minnesota. Escobar in particular has, uh, I mean, Escobar just seems like such a personality uh, that, that has blossomed in the last couple of years. Is, how open is the door, or is the door open for either one of those guys to re-sign with the organization in free agency this offseason? Well, one thing I just want the fans to know, and this is a lot to do with them and the, the contributions they make to the team, is even Zach Duke, who'd only been here for four months when we parted ways and told him he was being traded to Seattle, he said he would love to come back here. Lance Lynn, who only spent four months here, expressed the same sentiment. I, I think the people in the community here make players feel uh, terrific about being here. I think they're very supported by the fan base. Uh, the fan base is very consistent and solid and supportive of the club. And I think that goes a long way to making our jobs easier, quite frankly, because we're talking about an Eduardo Escobar, a, a player who grew up in Venezuela, who wants to make Minnesota his home. And that has everything to do with the community around the, the stadium and the baseball experience here. And so I would say we're, we're, we're walking into the off season where we, Brian Dozier walks to free agency and, We'll see what happens with Joe Maurer and Eduardo Escobar. We have need for infielders, and and those two guys have had a lot of accomplishments throughout their career. Uh, we look forward to when the season ends having opportunities to speak with their representatives. So, Thad, what's the uh, the plan in the coming months for Miguel and Byron as far as that that goes? Because to me, if they if they come back and experience the type of success that you probably thought that they would in 2018. That changes the entire uh, tenor of 2019. What's the plan? And I I realize their circumstances are different, but to uh, try and give them the best chance for success heading into the spring of next season. I think, I I think you're right. You know, we, we do still view the core of this club as being Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, Jose Burrios, Eddie Rosario, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, and, and others as they continue to develop. So we're, we're going to be very attentive to the progress of Miguel Snow and Byron Buxton in that equation because they're vital to the, the near-term success of this franchise. So we, we are, we've committed to those two players that we are going to invest in their future. Uh, and I know this isn't necessarily what fans want to hear, but even if it's at the expense of eking out one extra win in 2018, we just believe that their future is so bright and has a chance to so positively impact our franchise that we want to make sure we put them in the best positions to succeed. Miguel's a backup here now. We certainly hope to get Byron back up. Uh, he, he is having a little issues with his wrist right now that we want to make sure we clear that up so that he's full strength when he's at the batter's box. But those two players' futures are very, very directly linked to the near-term success of the franchise. This is probably a sensitive question, but when it comes to Miguel, what's your ability to uh, keep him around? And because you know, it just it seems that when he when he goes home, he puts on weight, and and I mean, the ability with him is definitely there. What what's the ball club's ability to actually either keep him around here or in 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 Florida to check up on his shape? Let's say. Well, to be fair to him, the food in the Dominican is just so delicious. It really is. So, That's the yeah, problem. That's why we don't want him there. <laughs> so so true. I, I would say this in terms of the most recent experience we had with Miguel. When we sent him down to Fort Myers, uh, Ian, Ian Kadish, Dave Rack, who are two strength and conditioning coordinators there, 
spoke extremely highly of Miguel's commitment to his rehabilitation in his body. And so if that's the most recent commitment he's had, I think this was a huge wake-up call for Miguel Sano to to be removed from the major league environment and sent down to the minor leagues. I'm quite certain from talking to him he does not want to put himself in that position again. I think that we have a great opportunity right now to capitalize on the momentum we created by showing him how it feels to be in shape, and I think he's going to be very committed to that this offseason. But the plan we have for both he and Byron Buxton and other players will be a singular focus for us come season's end as we're going to look at this offseason as, as vital to the success of their future. Uh, Thad, of the, I don't know, dozen or so players you received uh, in, in these trades over the last week or so, which ones, which which two or three stand out the most? Which have the highest ceilings or however you want to, you want to characterize it? Well, you know, I, I think I'm obligated to say they're all extremely exciting, no different than if you're asked <laughs> to rank your children. But uh, I will say, I'll, I'll answer it this way, by telling you who the industry would have as being the most now impact players, and, and I'll highlight a few of them. Jorge Alcala, the, the right-handed starter that we acquired from the Houston Astros, along with Gilberto Celestino, the center fielder. Uh, I think those two players are really exciting. When you get a chance to... Houston is one of the best farm systems in the game. They were ranked respectively 10th and 15th on their prospect top 30 board. They come into our organization and become ranked 11th and 14th on our boards. I I think that's noteworthy on two fronts. One is just to show the the ability for us to add some players, that level of prospect value into our system was, was, you know, really a boon for this franchise in the future. Corey Alcala's you know, throwing 94 to 98 miles an hour with an advanced field for a breaking ball. A uh, 22-year-old kid pitching in double A right now. You can dream that he could climb a rotation and sit atop it with Jose Burrios down the road if everything goes to plan. Uh, the other thing I think is noteworthy about that is Houston is one of the best systems in the game. Their 10th and 15th prospects become our 11th and 14th, which suggests that at least the strength of our second and third tier of prospects is starting to now match up with some of the best farm systems in the game. That's extremely encouraging for our fan base. And then Joan Duran, the the right-handed starter that we acquired for Eduardo Escobar uh, alongside two other players. I think we feel very excited about him. He's a, he's already gone out and had one extremely positive outing pitching, pitching in our minor league system in which he threw came close to throwing a complete game, no hitter. Uh, he, like Jorge Alcala, has well above average velocity, a breaking ball, and uh, a very young man sitting in, in low A right now. But if you want to dream, you could dream of a, a playoff scenario where, where Jose Burrios and, and Fernando Romero and Steven Gonsalves and, and Joan Duran and Jorge Alcala are making up a playoff rotation that has a chance to be a bona fide competitive advantage for our franchise. You just set off all the excitement there. there. I see people with Homer hankies driving behind our studio right now. Here's the problem, though. It's going to be so cold for for those playoff games. I'm just not sure. I mean, a dome would would really be nice at this point, I think, Thad. I I also would not be against the dome. That seems like it would be a, a, a nice fit for us, especially for April and October games. But... In between the last last few nights for the fans who've come out, it's been absolutely gorgeous here. It has been nice. Yeah, you know, we should capitalize on this as long as we can. And 
Just tell baseball one thing. Tell them when they put that stupid schedule in, in their computer, if it spits out 12 games at Target Field next April, to put it in again. Because that was the, that's among the dumbest things I've seen. Human error is one thing. But that was just beyond dumb. Uh, serious question for you, the last one on, uh, on Joe. With, with Maurer's contract expiring, and I understand he's got a complete uh, no-trade clause that, is there any scenario in which you could see during the waiver period where where he he would accept and you you would look to explore moving him to a team that would have a chance to win a World Series. So we we, we have not really had that conversation. I would just say that we view this team as currently constituted as having some quality veteran players on it, and you know Joe Mauer, Irvin Santana, Fernando Rodney, Matt Belisle, to name a few. Uh, that you know we are partners with these guys we we recruited some of these guys and in joe's case he's pitched his whole career here i I think our intention derek myself ownership dave st peter we intend to sit down with those guys at some point here in august and and talk to them about their desires and if there's a strong desire to be put in a position to play in the playoffs and there's a deal that works that we could facilitate that i I can tell you i I think we're open-minded to that conversation Joe, more than anybody, I think deserves to be have a seat at the table in that discussion, uh, and I think we'll intend to sit down with him in short order here and, and see what his, his desires are moving forward. Uh, last thing for you, you don't have to answer this directly, but cough twice if you're going to sign Machado this offseason. How about if I blink twice? Okay, that, that works too. No, that doesn't work. We can't we've see got, it. We've got, we've got spies. <laughs> there it was. Yeah, that, that's yep. it. Yeah, that, there it was. Two blinks. Yep, three hundred million. That won't cost you much. We'll help you. We'll, we'll, Harper we'll do a Go and Machado. Fu- how, how about that, Dad? We'll do a GoFundMe campaign here on the uh, Mackie and Judd show. We'll help you out. It's I, I will say this: it's extremely rare to have two players in Bryce Harper and Manny Machado hitting free agency at yet such young ages. And I think as front office people, we're becoming so much more attentive to uh, shying away from signing guys in their mid thirties. Well, these guys are sitting in their mid twenties. And they're going to hit free agency, clearly having established themselves as as two of the elite players in the game. It's going to be a, a very, very interesting free agent class because those are two of of what stands to be a one of the most uh, robust classes we've seen in, in the last decade. So it'll be a fun offseason for, for the Twins and for Twins fans alike. As he sits there not blinking for the last 60 and seconds. you've got a lot of money, Thad <laughs> Levine. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thad. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. You've been ratted out, boys. On 1500 ESPN. I think we should wrap the show, Judd, by throwing it to Intern Max with a Tiger Woods Bridgestone update. Yes, uh, Tiger Woods. Quieter. With a 5-under. Oh my through 16 holes today. That's pretty good. Do that now. He is uh, finding the putting stroke finally, mm. and uh, it's going splendid. Yes, yeah, splendid. Should Tiger wear blue for the Beautiful. entire tournament? Because blue Tiger seems to be pretty good. It also brings out his eyes, and it's somewhat slimming. <laughs> blue Tiger. Although the sweat sometimes comes through the back of the shirt when it's blue like that, you got to be careful. Is the swass I see he's not swassing so as much as is earlier the, in the round. I was going to ask about the swass that's, problem. That's a good thing. I can identify with the swass problem. Yeah, one of the few things I can identify with Tiger Woods about. Well, the great what pants. About back problems. <laughs> uh, back problems no, you no. Know, uh, knock on wood, I don't. I'm very fortunate. 
Judd's not active enough to know if he has a back problem. And I have my hair, which I'm also fortunate about. Well, Tiger's still got some of his hair. What, what's uh, Tiger going to rock in 10 years when he's... He'll probably still be fit in 10 years, but oh, that yeah, he hair... Won't, he won't he's gonna be he'll shave his head, right? He'll be, he'll be shaved. Yeah. You almost have to shave the yeah. head at that point. Is, yeah. is he going to go cap at that point? Baseball cap of some sort? Well, he always goes baseball cap. So, yeah. yeah. When have you, you seen him with a go visor? Yeah, yeah. You think he's going to go visor? I'm just saying, will will he switch things up? But that's true. He goes baseball cap now. So I mean, I, he, just he very rarely, true. every podium he's had, he has a hat on. But that's these guys, right? They have right. to have their, spot, their logo on. Right, because they've got to. Mm-hmm. It's like Favre did, his Nike hat. Was that sponsored? Yeah, he got paid by them to wear it. Did he? That yeah. ratty, and he sweaty Nike wore, hat? Yeah, and I think he got fined by, by the league because there was one time that he wore it to the podium at, like a post game, and you yeah. can't do that. You're supposed oh, to wear your yeah. team hat. But he showed up to his introductory Vikings press conference in like a sleeveless gray shirt or <laughs> yeah. something and, and a Nike. ratty, Nike, <laughs> yeah. sweaty hat. Which he clearly had worn the entire summer, if not for more than that, and it was completely sweated through. Ugh. Just get off the yard, mow the lawn. Head sweat is not attractive either. Swass is worse, but head sweat's not fun. <laughs> You know, sweating through your hat. This is a uh, deep dive into sweat. It really is. Actually, you know what? I know all about sweat, boys. We'll do uh, four hours on this tomorrow. We'll just talk about sweat from <laughs> we'll, the 3M. We'll be on the be golf fun. course. Yep. Uh, we'll be on location tomorrow. You can find anything and everything on demand, Mackie and Judd, at our show page, 1500ESPN.com.